welcome back to Paracast, brought to you by Scottish Disability Sport. In today's episode, we'll be continuing where we left off with Stephen Clegg. We'll be discussing everything post-break, from Stephen's journey as he returns to the sport and the difficulties of getting back to peak performances, to how he views his future in the sport and its upcoming competitions. From breaking back into the pool to breaking world records, we'll be covering all that and more on today's episode of Paracast. And you've talked before about how you used um, things that many people would view as bad as motivating factors. Would you say that people doubting your ability to get into Rio or people doubting your ability to bounce back and people saying that you were just trying to, to copy your brother and you weren't taking it seriously, would you say that you used that as, as motivation as well to be able to come back stronger? Yeah, 100%. I still do to this day. Uh, like no one's, I've not heard anyone say a bad thing about my, my swimming in a very long time, but yeah. head, I still kind of, tell myself they do behind my back even though I've never heard mm-hmm. anyone say it behind my back or heard anyone tell me no one's told me that they've heard them say this behind my back but in my head I've always kind of don't know if it's necessarily the most healthy thing in the world to do but uh, <laughs> um, and when I'm in really hard sets and I want to quit and I want to cry and I'm throwing up and I'm in more pain than I've ever experienced before and my coach is telling me that I need to do it again that's what I kind of go to I go to that it's, I need to feel around in that basement for a bit more bit more <laughs> motivation yeah. that's kind of where I have to stick my head to to think about uh, all the kind of people who kind of laughed in my face when I when I said I wanted to do this and people who said I was never going to be good enough or that I didn't have it didn't have the grit or or the the skill to kind of make it um that's definitely the place I go to to be able to find another level of training yeah and definitely recently, it looks like you've got the final laugh and you proved them all wrong there. So yeah, <laughs> they're probably not feeling too smart now. Yeah, it was it was very satisfying because uh, I would, I'd probably count two people, uh, including people in my family who thought I'd make it. Uh, no one in my family really thought I'd make it in sport, uh, I guess, um, just because I was too old. Uh, but with Bruce Halloran uh, and uh, maybe one or two others that kind of thought maybe maybe he's got a chance, maybe he, he wants this. So. Um, it was quite. It was very satisfying seeing as the years went on, more more and more people kind of changed their changed their minds and changed their opinion yeah. about the kind of athlete I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so when you you came back, um, that is when obviously you've already said that you were you sort of had to to start from from square one again. Um, but you actually managed to sort of get to a, a really good level as in a level to be able to to compete internationally in in just a couple of years which was which is really quick considering the the, the situation you were in when you first came back um you had all these motivational factors and stuff like that, obviously proving people wrong was there part of you that um felt like you had succeeded what you wanted to do when you got to that first international competition or did you just keep on building and keep on building for the final goal um so my first international was europeans and i don't and i felt i felt so immensely proud to have reached that international level but my goal was to make make rio rio and i had yeah. been selected at that point um so that was once i'd qualified that was that was my target i had again i had this tunnel vision just to go for it and give it my best shot and it no longer at that point no longer became enough just to go i, I wanted to medal i fortunately unfortunately didn't but that's just the way sport works out but those those eight nine months into rio so from like january forever time into the paralympic games in september it's probably to this day the hardest i've ever worked um 
I I did stuff in training that I don't I'm capable of or I don't even know how I was capable of at the time um my coach was pretty young at the time as well he was 20 24 and yeah. I was 20, 20 yeah sorry he was 23 I was 20 um so he was very inexperienced as well and he was learning a lot about coaching he was just pushing me as as much as he think he could and as much as he thought I could handle um and uh there's a couple of times where he, he got to a breaking point and uh <laughs> and uh I fell ill or something like that so um but yeah I think I think for me I think what makes me kind of the athlete I am is that nothing is ever really enough uh I always want I always want something else <laughs> yeah uh once I've grabbed something and I've achieved a goal in my career I've I've instantaneously got some um and that's that's happening even now so even after the world record performance I did through the weekend it took about three hours before I was like okay I'm done done celebrating this and uh, i'm ready to move on to my next goal <laughs> yeah and that's the that's the mentality of of the top athletes is to is to be able to achieve something that they've, they've looked uh, forward to that they've looked ahead to and still be able to get back up get back onto their feet and look for the next goal that's how you set aside the the people who care enough to be able to go out there and be world champions and world record holders aside from the people who thought that they could do it but weren't willing to put in the work yeah yeah do you think that's a, a mentality that you uh, were able to learn from for your siblings or is that just something that you think's been passed down to every single person in your family i think it's just something i don't i'm not really sure to be honest it's hard to say how someone's mindset works um i would say i have a very different training mindset to my brother and sister uh, i i get a lot of joy out of training and pushing myself that hard in training i i probably to some days i, I enjoy i enjoy the challenge and discipline of everyday training more than I do the actual competition which is is pretty uncommon um um but yeah I think I mean I personally would say I work much harder than my my uh, siblings do in, in sport <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I guess that's subjective to each individual I'm sure they'll probably disagree but um I don't know I think it's just it's built into me as a as a person rather than anything else I've, I've never found myself to be overly satisfied with something I've achieved I've always wanted always wanted more yeah and uh, just more proof that you're you're, you're hard working is the fact that you you do arguably the the hardest uh stroke in swimming yeah. that, that most people hate you do um you do butterfly so what what part of you wanted uh to get to get into butterfly or was it just something that you were just unnaturally good at um it was, I had a bit of an evolution of my my career. So I actually started as a backstroker slash freestyler, and I never never looked at fly breaststroke at all. Um, and it wasn't until 2017 where I started to fall out of love with backstroke because I just done it so much because I had such a massive amount of ground to make up for. Um, my first coach just absolutely beat me with a stick swimming backstroke, and that's all I did. It was. It was just constant and I got really good at it and it, you know, it did the job, but I was probably naturally more suited to butterfly. It's just because where I was in my uh, career and what I wanted to achieve in such a small, short space of time, fly wasn't really an option because you need to be incredibly strong, just from like really strong shoulders. Um, and I just wasn't because I hadn't, I hadn't done any exercise properly in four years. So that wasn't really uh, that much of a, a choice at the time. So we didn't look at it, but it wasn't until... 2017 where I started to drift away from backstroke just because I'd done it so much I wanted to mix things up a little bit that I discovered that I really really enjoyed swimming butterfly and uh, I was probably most naturally suited to suited to it 
and then uh, yeah just transition in 2017 2018 into into that as my main my main focus for training yeah and i think that highlights how good you are at, at butterfly because of the fact that you you picked it up and then so quickly you were actually able to to use that to be able to swim in competitions which sort of yeah. transitions quite nicely into into rio which was your first paralympics that you had got there you had proven anyone who said that you couldn't do it wrong and now you had to step up to the occasion um and just prepping into that um there's also the whole experience around your first Paralympics as well. Everybody has different experiences of their first Paralympics. Many people think it's a blur. Many people remember every single little detail yeah. and, uh, and live through all of it. Um, what side of the spectrum would you say you were on? In terms oh, it, was of a, the, it was a complete blur for me. I do. There were some specific moments I, I remember with vivid detail. For example, the, um, my first my first race was the 400 freestyle, which was one of my main events so I was, I was looking probably predominantly for the 100 back and the 400 freestyle which are quite different but I was good at, I was good at both um but I remember I remember walking out uh onto the pool deck for my race and felt like a deer in headlights um yeah. <laughs> it was quite terrifying because in swimming swimming you don't really have that many that many spectators at a national level um and then I, I can't remember how many people were in Rio watching but I remember the stadium was sold out and uh, there was probably somewhere around 20,000, 20, 25,000 people watching watching me in the stadium. So I felt very quickly terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't swim very well. As it was a big uh, big learning curve for me at games just because I learned very quickly how much inexperience I actually had. As confident and confident I was in my own ability and how much I thought I could have meddled Um Going in front of that sort of crowd and the crowd of that magnitude was it was very humbling and uh, taught me a very very valuable lesson of you can never be prepared enough. <laughs> yeah, I, it taught me a very important lesson psychologically as well. Just to keep myself composed. Yeah, that that seems to be quite a recurring theme with people who went to Rio. They didn't expect there to be huge crowds, and then just out of yeah. nowhere, everything was sold out. Um, it's I remember watching the games, and I was like. There's a lot of people at all of the sports that were there. It, it was it was really amazing to see how well um, people were actually able to sort of pick it up and then fill these stadiums, um, which was it was really nice to see at the time. And that sort of speaks levels about the difference in between training and being able to to just do really well there. But when it actually comes to to the final event, it's it's all about experience and. Yeah. seeming as you were somebody who had never really swam in front of a big crowd before especially not at the level of twenty thousand people um uh, that's something that can definitely be quite daunting for first-time athletes which is where the experience side came in um yeah. would you say that being in front of such a massive crowd did you, did you find it scary at first and then motivating later on or how was that sort of learning curve for you um, I, pr- I didn't find it motivating at all in Rio. Strangely enough, I started to feel more comfortable with it towards the end of my uh, my week of racing. Um, but it wasn't until until 2019, at the World Championships in London, that I felt I felt the motivation from having a big crowd. So we had a very look. Fortunately, had a very large crowd in London World Championships. It was very well advertised. Um, but there, because again, it was that was a home crowd. Um, the buzz and the feel of uh, I mean, it was nothing in comparison to to Rio. I think it was maybe. 4,000 people watching, um, which is still a great crowd, obviously. But um, uh, I really felt felt the buzz and the motivation from having a really good home crowd in, in London more than I did in, in Rio. Um, just at first in Rio, just, I, was, I was terrified and didn't yeah. really know how to, how to cope with that sort of uh, pressure and 
stage. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that this reaction comes primarily from uh, just inexperience, or do you think there was something about the fact that it was a home crowd that helped? No, I think it's just inexperience. Um, I was just too new to the sport. I'd, yeah. I'd gone through it too quickly. Um, a lot of a lot of athletes go through the process of. Um, making Europeans and world championships and stuff like that before they end up hitting, having a hit out at Paralympic Games. Um, I was just also, I was pretty young um, as well. I was only 20 years old. So it's pretty, uh, pretty daunting for a young man. <laughs> yeah. So um, for Rio, uh, obviously, um, uh, you would have had other people in your family who would have been competing there too. Uh, does that mean that uh, was there like a, a large turnout from people in your family, or was it was not many people um, able to get out? Considering it was in, considering it was in Brazil, yeah, um, <laughs> other side of the world, five or six. So it's like my mom, my sisters, my brother-in-law, and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was quite quite lucky to have a family that were prepared to to do, take time out of their own personal lives and uh, uh, the financial um, take the financial stress of. of Paying for a trip to, to Brazil because uh, it's not cheap, obviously, to fly yeah. to the other side of the world and be out there for a few weeks. Like, so I was um, very fortunate to have a family that supported me were, and my sister. Yeah, were they able to 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 get to your swimming events and stuff? Were they able to be there? Yeah, to so I think uh, I think they got to all of us. Uh, I don't think there was any because my sister, if I remember correctly, my sister's right at the start of the of the ten days of competition. I was I was towards the end. So it kind of worked out quite nicely for us at that time. Yeah, not as much rushing around as in London. No. <laughs> yeah. So did when you were when you were actually competing and stuff, did you find yourself trying to pick them out in the crowd, or were you just trying to be tunnel visioned on the water and making sure that you were? Uh, yeah, I know. Sometimes hear my mum squealing in the in the crowd, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, for me, I guess I guess now, especially as a senior athlete, uh, I am very much got the blinkers on. Um, I feel I can feel the crowd and I, I can get a bit of a buzz from the crowd. But uh, I, with this more experience I've got over the years, uh, maturity I've developed, I, I've more far more capable of keeping myself composed under that sort of pressure, and um, and just yeah, I deal with it a lot better. And I can I can get a handle on it and use it to my my own benefit without letting it overwhelm me. And I think yeah. a big part yeah. of that is not let not let all the noise in and just let enough in to to make yourself feel good and give you that fire in your belly yeah i think that that speaks quite nicely on the whole learning curve and stuff and yeah. seeing as now you have had that experience you're able to to focus a lot more and use the crowd to your benefit mm, definitely. yeah and that that definitely uh leads us on to the fact that uh more recently uh as in just a few days ago you mm. were you were able to um break the world record for a, a stroke that you had only been doing for a couple of years which is quite impressive within itself yeah so um since since 2018, my focus has been for this Honda Fly uh, in in Tokyo, um, and everyone everyone who's you can say you're not focusing on it, but everyone everyone does because that what's makes that's what yeah. makes people are competitors that you are trying to be the best at what you'd be or what you what you're doing, and that includes breaking breaking world records. Um, so in in the past, because of my inexperience, we've just kind of tried to be powerful and fast. Um, so I've never really had that much fitness. So I've always been able to, I've always touched the wall first at 50 meters uh, without fail and then just fade off towards the end. So when I moved to Edinburgh University in 2019, uh, my coach Chris Jones and I had a meeting and basically just discussed that we need to get me fit. And the only way to do that is by swimming a lot of butterfly <laughs> in training. Yeah. Uh, so that's been our focus for the last, last 18 months or so. 
and especially in this last eight months since we came back from from the first lockdown back in September uh, August time. So uh, I w- it was it was ex- great to have that feeling of breaking the world record. But in in the back of my mind, I wasn't surprised. I I wanted that was my target going into it, and I. I for me, I just reached the goal I wanted to be, the level I wanted to be at. Um, I'm familiar now. It's just resetting and and getting ready for these next five months going into into Tokyo and making sure that no one else can take it from me. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, there are definitely some some athletes out there, some swimmers, especially in in my uh, in the hundred fly that can aren't out of reach to to beat me still, even even now I hold the world record. So yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah, relax I th- and think I've already won. <laughs> yeah, I think that shows the the competitiveness in the selection process, especially for for a team that's as big and, and diverse as as the British team going into the Paralympics. Um, so, is is there part of you that um, feels as if breaking that world record will will help your se- selection uh, getting into Tokyo, or do you do you think that there's still a lot of work to do with you together? Uh, no, I think I think it's a great it's a great market for me um i know a lot of the british Smith staff were very pleased and uh supportive of, of what i pleased for me and uh i've been emotionally invested in me for the last few years so um although the team hasn't officially been announced uh and that that sort of world record marker puts puts me pretty securely in, in that in that yeah. lineup for tokyo so um the goal now is literally tunnel vision for for the next five months um uh, being it's strange because the the lockdowns we've been going through in in the UK for the last four months or so since since Christmas have actually been very beneficial for my, my training. Yes, yeah. having nothing else going on in the world makes focusing on just one thing pretty pretty easy. Um, uh, so because swimming has been the only only outlet for me, uh, I've just thrown my whole heart and soul into into these last into the season, um, and it's, it's obviously just paying off now. Uh, which is it's really really satisfying to know that the hard work I've put in isn't isn't falling short of what I what I think I'm capable of. Yeah, it, it seems to be a, a sort of split between athletes as to whether they feel like they've benefited from from uh, COVID and the whole lockdown thing or whether they haven't, and it it sort of completely depends on whether or not they were able to continue doing their their sport during that time. Were you able to to still get into the pool during some of the lockdowns? Um, not not the first lockdown, so I was out for for four months um so from march 2019 uh, 2020 through to july or august time uh which is, is was very tough mentally um i never i hadn't that was the longest by far the longest break i'd taken out of swimming i think anyone had taken out of swimming in in their professional careers so yeah uh, swimming is very much based on feel uh make sure you can hold the water i think a lot of people and even if you take a few days out you notice you you start to slip of water and you don't feel as good and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of people are very stressed about about um, not how how much they're going to lose from having that much of time out of the out of the out of the pool. So, um, but the one thing that kind of helped me was that even before the lockdown in March 2020, uh, I already noticed massive massive gains I was making through the big change in training I was having with my new coach. Um, so for me, my focus was okay. Well, this has just given me another year to accomplish what I want what I want to accomplish um so that was that's where my, my head was at I was like it's okay if I if I lose a bit now because I've still got 12 months even if I go to the summer not without swimming and not training I'm still gonna have 12 months from then to to get fit and get back and get back into um world-class condition yeah and you haven't been doing um 
butterfly for as long as some other people have, assuming as you you sort of came onto it so late. Do you feel that um, everybody sort of having to take that time off, do you think that that allowed you to sort of be more on their level, as in when everybody came down, the competition sort of evened out and you were able to benefit from that? Or do you feel that you it's just from all of the hard work that you've been putting in over the last couple of years? I think, to be honest, I don't think anyone's really suffered too much from that time out. I think a lot of people actually benefited because um, there's a culture of, there's like a fear of taking too much time out on something um, and it makes you a rubbish swimmer, which, and that's kind of existed for decades now for some reason, but no one's ever really tried to take a big chunk of time out like other sports. So athletics, for example, take have big rest periods so they can fully recover. So I think a lot of people have actually benefited quite well from having this chunk of time out because then for the first time in their lives, their bodies are fresh. For the first time in, in years, their bodies are fresh again, so they can actually have a really good season. Um, so I think a lot of people have actually benefited. So I think I think kind of my success is literally just being down to kind of my mindset that I've had going into the year, and that that I keep I keep bringing myself back to it. But the tunnel vision uh, attitude I've had towards towards this season, it was very tough the first few months just because there was no clue about what was going on with competition and stuff like that. So I think kind of my my personal view of um, been up to focus and get a lot of enjoyment out of training it's been very fortunate for me because uh where a lot of people struggled with just swimming up and down up and down with no real end goal i thrived because uh, I, I could i could set my own goals in training and i knew that i wanted to push myself in this fly what we call fly aerobic um like fly fitness area so uh and i could see i could see big improvements week through week so that's very reassuring and actually it was uh, ended up being very beneficial for me because, as I said, when everyone, where everyone else was seem to seemingly struggling with having no no real competitions to go to or anything like that, I I kind of thrived because I I really enjoy enjoying training and I get a lot out of just just training. Yeah, and that uh, that that thriving from that has definitely been something which has helped you move forward uh, to yeah. not only the Paralympics but also uh, the upcoming Commonwealth Games too which is going to be in home soil as well. And hopefully should be your first time uh, representing Scotland at, uh, at, at the Commonwealth Games level. Is there, are you, um, are you looking forward to being able to represent your home country instead of having to represent Britain? Cause that's something that a lot of Scottish athletes sort of uh, take a lot of pride from. Yeah. Like representing Scotland is definitely uh, on the list of things I really want out of my swimming career. Uh, it's such a great It'd be such a great honour just to to represent Scotland at Commonwealth Games, which is a, a privilege I've not had before, uh, an opportunity I've not had before. So that's definitely my my goal for the next next season um, to get on that Commonwealth team and Commonwealth Games team, and hopefully hopefully medal there as well. Um, I'm setting trying to set myself up for a position where I can I can get golds at four different internationals in, in just over a year. So um, which will be a pretty uh, epic uh, accomplishment <laughs> to achieve. Yeah um but for the time being like my, my focus is 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 not going a day past tokyo at the moment uh i've got nothing in my head about then uh, and i just i'll just reset i guess i keep resetting and go for the next goal which will be which will be the commonwealth games and trying to get uh, a gold medal there as well yeah so th- throughout the podcast and just then you've talked about resetting and doing different goals and staying up for the next thing um whereabouts can people expect you to be standing on that podium for the next for the upcoming competitions where are people going to see you standing i mean for the europeans and uh tokyo i'm feeling pretty confident that i can i can be on top uh obviously with that world record i set in uh, last weekend I'm, I'm 
I feel like I'm in a very good place to to keep up with those great performances and and uh, hold hold that position on, on the top of the pile for the time being. Um, Commonwealth Games is a different it's a different uh, challenge. I'll be swimming a different event that I've been swimming in the past. I'll be swimming the 50 freestyle. Uh, unfortunately, there are only so many events they can select for the para Paralympic yeah. side of the Commonwealth Games, so I don't get to choose which one I swim. Uh, so I'll be swimming the 50 freestyle, which isn't my strongest. And there are some some very fast guys out there uh, that could beat me. So I'll I'll reserve judgment for for the Commonwealth <laughs> Games until maybe a bit closer. Uh, if you if you ever have me on again, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty good about the remainder of this this season anyway. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like the the entire journey that you've been on and, and the situations that you've been through and the the sort of things that you used to motivate yourself that we've have uh, been through during this podcast it definitely feels like it's all coming together and for, for a strong podium finish and a lot of medals in, in the coming years yeah this is this is feeling like it's my my year it's, it's uh everything started to finally piece together and um starting to reap the rewards of the the graft i've put in over the last seven seven years or so yeah anyone who doubted you before is probably feeling quite silly now <laughs> <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah, so I think that's a that's a, a great place to finish it off with with golds in the upcoming years and a, the the sort of a peak of a of a, a brilliant career and a great story that we've. Oh, we've thank you very much for uh, having me on. It's uh, it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been, it's been a great discussion. Thanks for that. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Powercast. Special thanks to Stephen Clegg for sharing his time and experiences with us. Brought to you by Scottish Disability Sport. Make sure to tune in next time where we discuss all things Paracast with an all new athlete.